say. But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And then Jesus sat down. And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them. Now, um, in this day, when teachers wanted you to really listen, they would sit down. That was like a teaching posture. It's sort of like when uh, your pastors stand in this pulpit, then you know they, are, they have something important to say to you, and you know to really listen. Or when they let someone else come up here and talk to you, you know to really listen, and you're doing a great job of really listening to me. So Jesus sat down, and he called the 12 to them, and he, this is what he said. If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, this is not how we think, but very often this is true in the kingdom of heaven, that the laws of the kingdom of heaven are upside down from our laws. We think if you want to be first, you have to be the most powerful politician or the wealthiest person, the most talented singer, someone beautiful, smart, rich. No, that's exactly the opposite. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you have to become the least. You have to become a servant of everyone. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So, oh, those poor guys, I just feel sorry for them thinking how embarrassed they were. But the Jesus wasn't done. This is what he did next. He called a child to him. This is what scripture says. Taking a child, he set the child before him. What did we just say about if you're sitting down, you're teaching an important lesson. So Jesus sat the child down, and then he took the child in his arms. Jesus was holding the child, and he said to them something so important. Jesus said, whoever welcomes your child, one child like this in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome just me, but also him who sent me. That's a pretty big lesson, isn't it? Jesus is saying that when we welcome a child, we are welcoming him as well. So I already know that if I say to you, Triumph Church, do you want to be a church that welcomes children? I know that you do. You can see Jesus' heart here. You see how important it was to him. But there's more to welcoming a child than just saying, we're glad you're here. Those are just words. When I say welcoming a child, this is what I mean. I mean making this be a place where a child can come and know this is my place. I mean doing everything you can to say to a child, you are loved here, you are valued here, you belong here. Because when you can say that to a child and show it to them, that is what you're saying to our Lord Jesus and our Heavenly Father. You are loved here, Lord. You are valued here, Lord. This is your place. 
that's the kind of church you want to be, right? Um, now, it, there is a reason that this was such an important lesson for Jesus to teach. And um, there is, a, I'm going to turn back to Matthew for a minute because this is a parallel passage. That means it's telling the same story as the one that we just looked at. This is a story that says, um, it tells about the poor disciples doing the embarrassing arguing when they were walking along the road and um, Jesus then is teaching them. But this is how Matthew reports it. He says, um, these are the words of Jesus. Truly, I say to you, unless you are changed and become like a child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be um, drowned in the depth of the sea. Those are pretty strong words from Jesus, aren't they? I think um, this is a part of the Bible that it is easy for us to skip over. But when Jesus looks at a child and he says, you want to know what it takes to be the greatest in the kingdom? Look right here. This child is the greatest in the kingdom. Now, he was using a child as um, an example of what it requires for us to even enter the kingdom of heaven. It requires humility and dependence on him. But he was also using that child for another reason, because that child was a child. There's another place in Scripture where we can easily see the Lord's heart for children, and this is back in Mark, Mark 10. In this story about Jesus, a crowd had gathered around him. He was outside. He was teaching. This will be a very familiar story to you. Jesus was teaching people. And what did we just say? What would Jesus have been doing when he was teaching people? He'd be sitting down, but a crowd was around him. So you can picture if the people were standing up, Jesus is sitting down, that people would be kind of pressing in to get to see him. And then what happened is the people wanted Jesus to bless their children. So they started trying to bring their children up, and the disciples rebuked them. They said, get the children away. That sounds kind of horrible when we're sitting here in this lovely room and it's all air-conditioned, but let's put ourselves in the disciples' place. It was probably hot outside, like a, a summer day in Houston. The children were probably stinky. I mean, literally not smelling good. They were probably not well-behaved because they were not good listeners. They were unruly. They were probably dirty. They were noisy. And Jesus was teaching. So I can understand, can't you, how the disciples felt. Get those kids back. Something important is going on here. But an amazing thing happened. Jesus got mad. This is what scripture says. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. 
And the, um, the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let those children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and he began blessing them, laying his hands upon them. Don't you love that picture of Jesus? That is in my heart the picture of the heart of Jesus. And I have prayed today that you would be able to see the heart of Jesus as well. I have um, a shameful confession to make to you about myself. When I was a young person, I thought that I was smart. This is a very common thing that happens with young people. But I had it pretty bad. And I was um, in college. I was sort of fascinated with how people learn. So I studied child development and education because it was interesting to me. But in my heart, I was thinking, I'm too smart to spend my time on children. I have this fine mind, and um, I'm not wasting my life with children, so I'm going to learn this, and then we'll see what important work I can do. So I graduated college, um, had my first job in a specialized area of education, and then an amazing thing happened. I became a mommy. Now, there is nothing like parenthood to make you realize you're not smart. If you are a parent, maybe you remember what I remember. When our oldest daughter, our first child, Allison, was born, um, right away I got, we don't know what we're doing. I could not believe that they put this child in the car with us and let us take her home from the hospital. I just wanted to say, stop it. We don't know. We're dumb. We don't know what we're doing. Um, but they let us take her home. And um, I guess we figured it out as we went. But this is what I noticed right away. She was so smart. And I don't mean because she was my child. I mean that children learn so much. There's so much to learn. And she was learning it all so quickly. I, I was fascinated by it. And then I noticed something else. It wasn't just facts that she was learning. She was learning spiritual truth. She, and then her brother and her sister after her, responded so quickly to the love of God. They accepted that God loved them. They loved him right back. And they could learn scripture so quickly and hold it in their minds and keep it in their hearts, my heart was captured when I saw how children can learn spiritual truths. And that became my life's work. 
as Pastor Randy has already told you. Throughout my career, I worked with churches, focusing on how could we take that natural spiritual aptitude that children have and make the most of it so that the truths that they learn and the love of God that they know would become the foundation of their lives. And then their lives lived on the foundation of the love of God and the truth of his word would become meaningful lives, not only to keep them close to God throughout eternity beyond this life, but while they lived here, they could be world changers. They could teach other people about the love of God and the truth of his word. It has been such a joy to me to see this play out thousands of times that children come to know the Lord and love him and understand deeply what is true in his word. I've often seen it make a difference, not just in the lives of children and their families, but in entire churches. This was especially true um, at Sugar Creek, which was um, the last church where I worked full-time, and at Sagemont, I saw these two churches begin to focus on the Lord's heart for children, and then I saw the Lord began to bless the church as a whole so that they had tremendous growth in all ages, spiritual growth, numerical growth. And all that is, I think, it's not a magic formula, but it is a church being obedient to align themselves to the heart of God as we've just looked at in his book. It has been a great joy. Now, what has to happen in a church is not as easy as just sitting in this room and talking about it. What has to happen to welcome a child is this. Men and women of all ages adopt the heart of Jesus and accept children as the greatest in the kingdom. And men and women of all ages love those children they learn their names. They talk to them. They laugh with them. They memorize scripture with them. They teach them the Bible. They change their diapers. They sing songs with them and play games with them so that this becomes a place even more than it already is where children instantly recognize, this is my place. I belong here. Because when children belong here, Jesus belongs here too. Now, I already know some of you are sitting out there thinking, well, I don't have the gift of working with children. Well, I don't see that anywhere in here where Jesus says, if you have the gift of working with children, welcome them. That's not what he says. It's for all of his people. I already know this, too. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm with children all the time. I've got them in my house. I'm working with them during the week. I just can't be a part of this. I don't see that in here either, that Jesus is saying, unless you're really sick of them, welcome children in my name. <laughs> Some of you are probably thinking, that's for women, and I'm a man. 
don't even get me started on this <laughs> because you have no idea what a difference it makes in the life of a child to have a relationship with a godly man. You have no idea. You can make a huge difference just by knowing a child and allowing them to know you. Now, some of you, maybe my fellow grandparents, are thinking, I've already put in my time. <laughs> Friends, let me tell you, if we'd already put in our time, the Lord would have taken us home already. <laughs> we have a purpose here. And I want this church that I have come to love to align itself with the heart of Jesus. I'm not saying walk away from this room, but I do want you to stop and think. Too often in churches, we consider that church is happening right here because this is where the adults worship and learn. And we think the kids are over there, somebody is taking care of them so the real work of the church can happen. No. They are the real work of the church. It's not that they're going to be important one day. It's that they are important now. Children, just like you and me, are spiritual beings created in the image of God. The book makes it very clear how precious they are in the heart of Jesus. I want to share with you something from my own life. When my daughter Allison was, um, you remember her, she was a smart baby. Um, when she was 30 years old, she was living in Dallas with her husband and their three sons, who uh, the boys were one, three, and five at the time. And Allison, that summer, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And we hated that. We expected, prayed, believed, that the Lord would heal her and knew that he would walk through the battle with us. And he did. He is such a tender, faithful, powerful God. I have walked a hard road with him, and he has held my hand every step of the way. And he did heal Allison but he healed her perfectly and not in the way that we had hoped. But my daughter, Allison, was a mighty warrior. She fought that cancer because she was determined to stay here with her three boys. So she did everything possible to battle cancer. If you have fought the cancer fight, or if someone that you love has fought the cancer fight, then you know it's a terrible battle, right? But she was so brave. She fought that fight. The cancer battle was not the hardest battle that Allison had to fight. Um, her husband became addicted to drugs, and through his addiction, uh, Satan gained a foothold in her family, in our family, and we entered a, a time of very dark, terrible spiritual 
warfare that lasted almost seven years. My daughter was a giant. She stood tall as she fought that fight. She knew Jesus. She understood his power. She understood his love. She understood his claims on her life. She knew the truths of scripture. She clung to those truths. And I saw the toddler that I had watched memorize verses repeat those verses. The Holy Spirit brought them back to her at the time when she needed them the most. It was amazing. And he did the same for me. My daughter, um, Allison, was a gifted writer. She wrote a blog during this time, and thousands upon thousands of people read her blog and marveled at her faith. She was amazing. Near the end of her life, um, Allison and I lived alone in a little apartment where she could be safe. We lived there for the last four months of her life. And um, we would write scripture and uh, post it on the wall. She said to me one day, Mom, I need a hymnal. So <laughs> I don't even know if I still make hymnals, but I found one. And um, she would sing praises to the Lord. It was a, a precious set apart time. I had um, an experience that not that many moms get to have. I had the terrible heartbreak and the wonderful privilege of watching the entire arc of my daughter's life from birth to death. My husband and I, on the night that she died, lay in bed with her, holding her, quoting scripture to her, singing to her. We had the great joy of walking her home, returning her to the God who had loaned her to us for a little while in the first place. On the day that she was born, I don't know that I could have articulated to you what I hoped for her. I had so many hopes, and I thought that she could be everything. But on the day that she died, I could have told you she was more than I could have hoped for. She was a woman who loved Jesus, who honored him and lifted him high. She was a woman that drew other people to him. She was a woman who belonged to God and loved him with her heart, mind, soul, and strength. But this is what I want you to get that faith was born in her childhood. And we don't know, none of us know what life holds for our children or the children who are over there. We don't know what life holds for us. But we want to be obedient to Jesus, right? We want those children to know Jesus no matter what life brings to them. This is what I want for Triumph Church.
to understand the heart of God, to honor it. And um, I believe that you are a church who can do it, that Jesus will be lifted high for the children who come here to Triumph Church. I'd like to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this amazing, amazing group of people. Um, I thank you that you've called them here, that it's part of their divine destiny to be a part of your body here at Triumph Church. And Lord, I pray that you would never, ever let them be satisfied with where they are. I pray that you would always be um, calling them higher, pulling them closer to you, showing them your heart. And that as they come to know you better, their hearts grow. And Lord, I especially pray that you would put it in their hearts and their minds to welcome children here. I pray that you would bring many children and their families to this church and that every child who comes here would know not just the love of the people here, but they would know your love and their lives would be changed for all eternity because of that. Lord Jesus, you are a tender Lord and Savior. Thank you for this picture of you holding the children close to you. Thank you for your tenderness in my life and the lives of my friends here. It is our great honor to serve you and to pray in your sweet name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, how many of you enjoyed that? Well, when, you, when you're talking about our kids, you're talking about our hearts, right? And we have some of the best, smartest, cutest, most talented kids in all the world here. And they mean so very much to us. And so this summer, uh, we're going to be giving them our very best plus. Um, this summer, Pat's working with us in, in the three vital elements of any children's ministry. First of all is the ministry program what we're doing for them from week to week to teach them the Word of God, inspire their faith, and to grow them up spiritually. Uh, the ministry program, that involves your curriculum, your worship, and all the things you do to impart the truth to them. And secondly is our leadership and volunteers, uh, fortifying our leadership structure and encouraging others to get involved in our children's ministry. You know, Quentin and Kiera Pollard are two of the finest young people I've ever known. They really are. And they're working hard and doing a really good job for us. Um, but we don't see them much here in, in the sanctuary because they're always there with our kids. And so today we're going to conduct a training from 4 to 6. And I uh, ask you to come and be with us if you're just the slightest bit interested in helping us in any form or any fashion. You know, you don't have to teach. You don't have to lead worship. There's all kind of great things you can do to help and be a part and be a blessing. And you don't have to do it every Sunday, but you do have to make a commitment. And I hope that you'll do that and help us uh, pray about that. I sow that seed in your heart. Uh, come and see us today, and we'll get you plugged in. The third vital element of children's ministry is facilities. Um, you know, when you go into a learning environment, whether it be a, a, a children's nursery area, a child care facility, or whether it's your school system, when you walk into the environment, 
what you see, what you feel in that atmosphere uh, makes a profound impression on the way you feel about the effectiveness of that educational system. If it's a modern facility, if it's well-structured and well-equipped, if it's um, uh, aesthetically very pleasant and appealing, appropriate in every way, then you get the feeling that there's going to be, we're going to, I'm going to get an effective education in this environment. And so the third element is our facilities and our equipment. And uh, we're moving forward on that, and this is where all of you can get involved to help us with some of the finances to make that happen. First of all, you know, in the children's facility, not counting our nursery, but the children's facility, uh, we have the wrong floor covering. It's a tile that has been there since we bought the building, and we want to carpet that. That's about $8,000. There's another area that uh, needs to put some uh, hard surface down. That's about $2,000, so there's about $10,000 worth of floor covering that um, we have to have immediately. Uh, there's a $4,500 curtain that goes down the side that, that uh, brings the worship together and isolates the activity area, a curtain that we can draw back and forth according to what the activity is. And um, then we want to ramp up the technology. Um, this is where your lights and your sound, because kids today have to have lots of technology. That's the way they learn. That's the way they live. And uh, we, we have some, but we've got to ramp that up. That's another $4,500. We have some exterior signage we have to have. Uh, that's about another $1,500. And then our security, uh, we want to put cameras in all the classrooms and monitor everything the doors, etc., appropriately. Uh, we have a start of that, but we want to make sure that all of our classrooms, including the nursery, are well monitored appropriately. So, you know, somewhere around $20,000 or so will get us there. And uh, I want to see that happen in about the next 30 days. And I've just asked the Holy Spirit to speak to all of our hearts. Renee and I are personally getting involved in this endeavor and ask you to do so as well. I just believe there are some blessed people out here uh, that, w that love children, believe what Pat taught this morning, and want to be a part of this to make our facility the very best it could be. So I, I sow this seed in your heart to just ask the Lord what you could do. Um, I talked about sacrifice, but I, I'm not here asking people to give things that's going to uh, interrupt their summer vacation or those kind of things. But um, if you're blessed and you know God has blessed you, I want to ask you to be a part of that. There's some people that could help us, like, buy the carpet, and others that could help with the technology for $4,500, and others could help us with the signage for $1,500. But uh, whatever you can do will be greatly appreciated. I'm not going to receive an offering at this moment, but I'm sowing this seed in your heart because I know the kind of people you are, and I know how much you love our children, love the work of God, and I know you're blessed, so I want to sow this seed and ask you to respond as the Spirit talks to your heart and you talk to your wife or your husband and uh, look at what you can do and get involved right away. You can give um, when it's uh, convenient and easy for you, but this is something we think we can do in about 30 days, and I, I believe that's very doable for us as a congregation. If you have a child that is somewhere between nursery and about the sixth grade, I want you to stand, please. It could be a grandchild. But there's a child uh, that you're overseeing and caring for. Look at all these parents, a lot of young parents standing up here today, some grandparents standing. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I know that your children are the most important thing in your world. God made it that way so that children would be loved and cared for. He gave us 
such a joy in our heart that the things we sacrifice for them, the things we give for them, is we enjoy it because we love them so very, very much. I want us to take a moment and pray for our children. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about how that we are to teach our children and to repeat God's law and God's word to them over and over again until they have it firmly in their hearts and firmly in their minds. You know, um, one of the greatest objectives, the greatest goals we have as parents is to pass our faith on. We don't want the Christian heritage that you and I live to stop with our generation. We, we want our children to love God as much as we love God, to live for Him with the same fervency and passion that we live for God. And I want to pray with you as parents and grandparents that the grace of God would be upon you, that you would infect your children, impart to them a passion for God that will last for generation after generation after generation. Here's what I'd like for you to do. As I start to pray, I just want you to call their name softly aloud. Just repeatedly call their name softly aloud. And I want to pray over them. And you just keep your faith focused on your precious ones. And I want to pray over you right now. Are you ready? Now, those of you that are seated, I want you just to pray. Look to someone nearby and just begin to pray for their children and grandchildren. Ask God to bless them. Father, we first of all want to thank you for our children and for our grandchildren. For this precious treasure you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for their life and their health and for their faith. Thank you for the joy that you give to us through them. I pray, Lord, that you would give us grace to teach and train our children to impart faith and passion for you. I pray, Lord, that you would cover them, protect and preserve them from illness and harm, from the effects of a society that has forgotten you. Raise up champions for Christ. Raise up men and women of God that can stand against the tide of evil and stand strong for the things that are eternal. I pray for every parent here today that you would give them wisdom to raise children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, to raise up champions for you. Give them wisdom to know how to nurture and care for them, how to train and teach them what is right. I pray for parents that they would be good models, that they would be a good example for their children. I pray, Lord, for grandparents that they too would have the pleasure of being models and examples for their grandchildren, passing their faith on to them as well. I pray for all of our children and these parents in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Let's all stand together. Let's give Miss Pat a hand clap and thank her for being with us today and this summer. God bless you so much. Thank you for being here. I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come back. And before you leave, if you'd like prayer or ministry for anything, we'd like to invite you to come forward. If you'd like for us to pray for your children by name and specifically, we'll be happy to do that now. It's been a joy being with you today. Don't forget, next Sunday is our freedom celebration. Come expecting to have fun, celebrate America, and rejoice in the blessings of the Lord. Remember to wear your red, white, and blue. May the Lord bless and keep you.
May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May goodness and mercy follow you wherever you go. I pray that the Holy Spirit would overshadow you, guide you, and guard you, and make you victorious in every area of your life. I bless you all in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. If you're a guest, I hope to see you in the foyer right away. With every breath that I take, with every beat of my heart, God, I will sing to the world, faithful you've been, faithful you are. With every breath that I take, with every